0: This episode is brought to you in collaboration with Go With Yamo. Go With Yamo is an art exhibition app, which helps you find the exhibitions and art events happening all around you. The app displays exhibitions based on your location, showing you the ones nearest to you at the top of the list. If you're going on a trip, you can change your location to plan your art excursions accordingly. What makes the app really fun is when you're at an art exhibition, you can check in and earn points, which can then be used to redeem prizes from the in-app store, such as prints, exhibitions, books and more. Go With Yamo also creates custom virtual exhibitions for galleries and artists. These, alongside exciting blog content, can be found via their extensive website. The app is free to download now. Make sure you visit their website at www.gowithyamo.com. That's www.gowithyamo.com. Hello and welcome to Art on a Podcast, the podcast created by Art on a Postcard. Today I am pleased to be joined by one of my favourite painters, Philomona Williamson. Philemona is one of the many artists donating postcard-sized masterpieces to the 2022 International Women's Day charity auction for the Hepatitis C Trust. Hello Philomena. thank you so much for joining us today. Um, where are you speaking to us from?
1: I am speaking to you from East Orange, New Jersey. Um, and that's where my studio is. And it's, a, it's an artist Hello. complex called Manufacturer's Village. And it used to be a munitions factory many years ago. Um, Johnson & Johnson, which is a big company here, used to own it. And now it's there are about over 90 artists who have studios in this complex. It's really, it's quite quite something. And I'm, I was one of the first here, so it's a really supportive, nice community to be in. That sounds wonderful.
0: So how long have you been in that studio
1: for? Um, I've been in this studio probably for about 12 years, I think, a long time. Yeah, 12 years. And I, I had another studio before uh, when I moved to New Jersey. I'm originally from New York City. And after I had my, uh, my our second child, we decided we had to leave the city and move out to Montclair, which is another uh, little suburb um, in New Jersey, which has a large artist population, li- writers and artists, and journalists and, and um, a very nice, ethnically diverse town. So um, we, we decided to move here because our, our children are, are biracial. And we thought, oh, that's a perfect uh, environment for them to grow up in. And and it has been, it worked out well. I think they were, they said that they had a happy life here. So I think that, that has worked out well, which is, you know, a part of, I, I really don't separate my life from my art. It's sort of, it's very much intertwined. So um, it was, it was good for them and good for, for me also.
0: I think that that wonderful nostalgia and happiness does radiate from your works. Obviously our, our listeners can't see, but, but behind Filomeno is this fantastic wall of these luscious paintings that you produce um all over Instagram, all over your website, and obviously as part of our auction this year. Um, And your works focus so much on poetic narratives, particularly around adolescence. Um, and they bring to mind almost works of like Paula Rego to me.
1: Oh my Not God, my mind. favorite. I love her. I love her. <laughs> I, I I once went to um, uh, an exhibit that she was having in New York, and she was at the opening, and I was starstruck. I, I I'm very you know I usually am very friendly and can go over to people and talk to them very. I I could not. I was just like oh my god, she's there, she's there. She she was one of my most favorites, and I discovered her after I had st- started my. Um, my practice of the of the adolescent. so so once I found her I just felt like oh my god she's my sister she's my sister you know I really absolutely loved her. I mean I always loved Balthus but um, Paula Rego is just incredible and I remember we were in in London and I I found the art supply store that she buys her pastels from and I went in oh she was here I'm 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 such a I don't it's a crazy fan I mean if I, if I could stalk her I, could, I would It just I love I love everything about her so um, yeah
0: that's incredible what a fascinating thing so it wasn't even you hadn't you didn't take inspiration from her it didn't drive from her work
1: no no I no I, I really I didn't know of her um, and then you know I was just looking around and I saw the work and I was just like oh my god this is you know just incredible and and I think you know. I just felt a, a complete affinity to what she was doing and yeah, it, yeah we're different but I think there's still something that is very similar.
0: Well absolutely it, it, came, it came to mind straight away obviously it's you know your work's completely unique you would never you know mix them up but that sort of that's that kind of like I said that lightness that sort of nostalgia um, really came through I think from it because so that's amazing I loved your reaction speaking um, yeah, um, <laughs> about that. Um, and I, I wonder if you could tell us a bit more about the reason for um, centering adolescence in your work, such a sort of unique time.
1: Um, you know, what, it, it is an incredibly unique time. And that's exactly that's the time that I uh, discovered art. You know, I was an adolescent and, you know, it's really it's the time when you're going through the most you know, physical changes, emotional changes. You know, sometimes there is a. Uh, Uh, a psychological change in terms of what you were looking for. There are just so many things that are happening and so many things that are happening that are completely out of your control. And with me, that's really what was happening. My father had just been diagnosed with cancer and he was dying and it was at at that point, cancer was something that you could not tell anyone about and it had to be kept a secret. So I, my mother said, don't tell anyone that he has it. He can't even know. So it was this giant secret that, you know, a 12 year old had to keep. And at the same time, I'm keeping that secret. And then I look at my body and it's not the same body that I woke up with the night before. It's like, where did those breasts come from? Like, what, what are those? And they keep growing, you know, I mean, it's sort of, um, I can't fit into the clothes that I used to like so much. It's like, you know, every, anyway, so I I was enrolled in a a wonderful um, middle school and the teachers there were the art teacher, the music teacher, and the science teacher were all artists, musicians, and scientists. So they they were professionals in whatever field. And so they, they I was in this program for art, and the teacher was just a, this incredible, you know, woman who ta- who presented art as a discipline as something that had all of these, you know, decision-making things that you had to. Think about it. It was control. It was like, wait a minute, I'm in control of everything that gets put on this piece of paper. Sign me up. You know, it was. You know, it was just. I immediately felt like, thank God, I found a place to be. You know, one area that was in my control. And you know, I really have found that in all through my life that uh, you know, art has been the place that I have gone to to you know, and and my studio and working to give me that sense of control when everything around us is completely berserk, you know, horrible. You know, my personal life, the political stuff that's going on, the, you know, everything. And that really, and it's been my savior. And I really have found that with all of the the feelings that you do have in adolescence, um, the hopefulness that you have, the confusion, the the possibilities that could happen, and then the absolute anxiety of what might yeah you know, all the you know they're they're reoccurring. It's not as if it ends when you become you know okay I'm not an adolescent anymore. I mean I think that whole period and even now it goes much longer than the the age of adolescence. You know it just sort of it's a reoccurring feeling, and so that's why I've, I've continued with the adolescent form to tell my story. Um, the awkwardness, the, the innocence, the budding sexuality, sexuality, sensuality, it really is what I like to call it. And the, um, and the ambiguity in terms of, you know, what is my sexual role? Like, how do you feel? You know, like you see lots of role models that are women and you see role models that are men and sometimes it's you know like i don't feel like either of them you know which is really sort of how i felt as i when i was growing up like i didn't quite fit in to that stereotype um anyway so i just that's really why the figure is always the adolescent figure the one that still has hopefulness that is still curious about what's going on um and has has no answer you know really you know it's not an end to something, but just a, a questioning of the world around them and their their place in the world and their reaction to things that are happening. So that's that's why I have the adolescent. I mean, I'm so far past that age, but I feel very close to it all the time. <laughs>
0: Thank you for sharing all of that. And I, I think it's so interesting with adolescents, Like you say, it's this ambiguous, multifaceted questioning, discovering time. But like you say, with a lot of burdens on you as well. And and when you sort of first look at your work with the the colours and this brightness, they do they do spark joy in me when I first see them. But at the same time the figure's almost a sort of a movement they're almost escaping from the canvas. Sometimes they look like they're kind of halfway out the canvas, like they're sort of halfway there. Um, and I wonder what sort of themes you're trying to explore through that in this like
1: age of discovery. Right, well, you know, I think that you're right. The, the One thing, they are very close to the picture plane. And I think there are a couple of reasons. One is because I want the viewer to feel as though they can't ignore them, you know, and that's a, a feeling Make, you know, I subconsciously have that feeling of like, don't ignore me. You know, you know, please look at what I. So I make the figure very close to the to the picture plate. It's almost, almost as if they are, as you said, escaping from it or falling out. Um, I want them to really be about to grab you. That you're involved in it. That there's a real conversation between viewer and the and the figure. So that's that's why they are, you know, the scale that they are. Um, I also like the idea that you you have sort of caught them at a time when they figures in a painting are not aware of the outside world and they're just doing their thing and then suddenly you come upon them, uh, so that's part of the the composition and sort of the size of them and what and how they are sometimes cropped.
0: And, and, and your works are so busy, full, you know, entwined touching. And um, they're so full, you know, be it in flesh or sort of narrative conjuring backgrounds. Um, and with the compositions uh, being so fascinating, sort of speaking to so many different people, um, I think just even looking, like I say, in the sort of narratives that come from them. I'm always so interested because they're so complex and so vibrant, do you work on one piece at a time? I can almost imagine you paintbrush in two hands working on two or three at a time kind of thing.
1: Yes, I do. I work unusually two or three at a time. And the reason why I do that is because um, I found that I do a lot of my, the changing of the composition as I'm painting. So the paintings will change constantly. And um, sometimes I realize that what I'm changing, I'm changing so much on this one painting that it really is another painting. And so it's best to have Let's just start again with this idea. And then I will work on that one. And then, you know what, I think there's another one. So I will usually have two to three paintings going at the same time. Right now I have three up and I'm just slowly, you know, I, I just finished one. I work on them all at the same time, like back and forth until the final stages of one. And then it's like, okay, all in. And I complete that one and then I move on and move on. And then I start usually. Uh, before the last one is finished, I have started a new one because I like to, you know. People always say, oh, what's your favorite painting? And I must say that my favorite painting is always the one I'm working on at the moment, you know. Um, I find the whole process of painting just the most enjoyable, wonderful, um, frustrating um, experience. And I just, I, I just love the act of painting, you know, I could paint you know and i i try to paint every every single day you know i teach two days a week so i don't paint on those days but um at times you know i paint
0: i'd love to hear more about your studio practice obviously you've been there for 12 years you said in that particular studio and i've also read so much about your inspiration wall
1: the inspiration wall is a wall that i have um in my studio which has Let's see. How big is that wall? Maybe it's like ten feet by eight feet, I guess. And on it, I have wallpaper, vintage wallpaper that I found. Children's clothing that I have found in thrift stores or people have donated to me. Uh, objects from nature, like I've a, a few giant dried leaves that I absolutely love. they i don't even know what kind they are, but they're like—they're about the size of a, a large head, and. Um, I have those. I also have dolls, which I collect. Um, I collect dolls from other countries, and a lot of African American dolls, and folk art dolls, and so they're all on my wall. I also have uh, photos, well, images of paintings that I that I like. So this is the wall. So it's a, a mixture of pattern and flat patterns, paper and um, clothing and objects. And I use the clothing for the, the paintings of the, you know, what the people are wearing in my paintings. And the patterns sometimes are in the paintings also. And I use a lot of the dolls in them. So it's really, you know, I look to the wall and say, hmm, what pops out at me today? I also did a whole series. I just watched a, you know, during the pandemic, of course, and you know, life changes and you have to do all sorts of things. And uh, there was just a a talk that I listened to about Philip Pearlstein and how he had, he couldn't have his models. So he had to do a series of of still lives with all the objects that he's collected. And I, so during the pandemic, he he just had the show at Betty Cunningham. Anyway, so I, um, yeah, I have all these dolls and objects and toys that I have collected also. And part of, What I have done is I do small paintings on paper of all of my objects and it really is and I started doing it because my mother was very ill and I couldn't um, spend as much uh, time in the studio and I only would have like three hours and so I couldn't concentrate on a full painting but I could do a small paint I needed to paint so I would do a small painting on paper 16 by 20 of my objects and I would just sort of arrange the, pull things off the wall. Sometimes I would just look at the wall. Sometimes I would arrange a, a little uh, still life set up, but usually it was um, pulling things off the wall, setting them up on the wall and painting them. So it, they really have, you know, the collection of these toys and dolls has really been, you know, an integral part of my work for a long time.
0: Thank you for talking us through that. I remember seeing your wool and it's, uh, for the listen, it is just peppered. It's completely covered with these amazing artifacts. It's really wonderful, and I can yeah imagine you looking up and being like, "That's the dress. That's the fabric," and right. it being
1: absolutely invaluable. Yeah, yeah it's funny because I, I i they're all a certain kind of dress. They're a little girl dress. A lot of them have the the ticking on the on the bodice and the puffy sleeves, and the but you know they vary in that. They're all like '50s children's dresses, um, and I have some ethnic dresses there too. I have a Korean um, little kimono, and I ha- also have a, a little Swiss child's outfit <laughs> a little, that, I, that I found. So they're, they're a mixture of things that are on there.
0: And before we move on to speaking about um, your donations to the art on a podcast um, auction for International Women's Day, and we've touched on it just briefly before, but I wondered if you could talk to us a little bit more about your colour palette, because even listening to you speak, I'm drawn into those bright yellows, those hot pinks behind you on the works. It's such a light, sort of vivacious, I don't know, you know, palette. It's lovely.
1: Um, You know what? I really, I, the colour is just, you know, what can, I love colour. You know, that's just, and I, um, Usually part of what I do when I start a painting, I will put a ground color down on the canvas. And that doesn't necessarily have to be the color, the palette that I end up with that color, but it's just a way to start my the conversation that, that's happening with color. And, um, and so I, at, depending on the kind of mood that I want the painting to have, I just mixed up some color and and put it on. It really, it sort of varies. You know, there are a few times when I have decided this painting is going to be all blue. I want, I'm feeling very blue. I want the richness of the blue. I just feel like I want the figure to be bathed in blue. So I will um, then, you know, mix a bunch of colors that are in that blue family. And then think of like, what color can I, with that, I mean, I really, I do like to sort of have unexpected colors pop up, little surprises that you would not necessarily expect to be in that in the painting.
0: It's very but, sort of intuitive. I really, beg your pardon. Oh, sorry. It's it's very sort of intuitive to you, depending on the work. Yeah,
1: it's intuitive, right? It's intuitive. I, I don't really, you know, I don't have a color theory that I'm working with it at all. And as I said, you know, things change all the time. So, um, like adolescence. <laughs> hmm <laughs> Right, All right. That's exactly it. constantly in in flux. And that's flux. that's the way the paintings work. Exactly.
0: And um, so yeah, Filomena. so you're part of this International Women's Day Art and a Postgre auction, Thank you very, very much for donating your work. So I wonder if you had anything to tell us about what to expect from these tiny masterpieces that you're producing for
1: us. Um, well, the pieces that I did for the for the auction are, they're toys. Oops, my internet is unstable for some reason. Um, the, they are toys that are in my collection. And so I did, you know, as I was talk, telling you before, I collect all these things. And so they're little vignettes from my collection. One is a, a kind of a brush toy that uh, my daughter gave me. And I think the the other is a, a doll that I particularly like painting um, a lot. and. Uh, the other it's a a little painting of my son with a toy that he also liked very much so they're they're all sort of some of my 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 toys the simple toys and they're gouache as opposed to uh little oil paintings because of the you know paper pieces
0: fantastic i cannot wait to see them i haven't seen them yet so that'll be an absolute treat for me to see (laughs) and and looking forward to 2022. you have some amazingly exciting exhibitions coming up, um, including in New York City, which, like you say, is where you were previously based um, in April and a group exhibition next month. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about them and all our listeners
1: will look forward to them this year? In March, there is a show at the Summit Visual Arts Centre, which is in uh, New New Jersey here. And it's a group exhibition called uh, Changing the Narrative. And it's a, a group of narrative painters who deal with the figure and sort of how um, how we how we interpret figurative narrative painting in all in all different ways. Um, so it's a it's a nice um, mix of people uh, who are in in that that was curated by uh, <clears throat> Mary Birmingham, who is the the, cure, the director of the, of the center. And then in June, June in April, I have my solo show at June Kelly Gallery, which is in New York in Soho, which I've been with June Kelly. I guess 26 almost 27 years now Um, so she is um, my New York dealer and then I have my uh, San Francisco art dealer Karen Jenkins Johnson Gallery which I you know I just had a show there in September and that went really well and was wonderful Um, yeah so those are those are the things that I'm I'm working on working toward now and you know hopefully that'll That'll happen. And in case there, I I did do a book, which is um, a children's book called Lubaya's Quiet Roar. And that was, that came out of a public art um, introduction to a a poet that I met um, and Marilyn Nelson. And it's a really, it's a timely book about social justice and, um, and how children interpret it, so that, in case anyone is interested, Lubia's Quiet Roar. <laughs> it's, a, it's a wonderful children's book, and I did all the paintings in it. So that, those are some of the things that I've been working on um, and teaching, of course. A 2022 you is know, like you very about, great. You know, what <laughs> yeah, 2022. Let, let's keep our fingers crossed that 2022 is a little bit better, you know, pandemic-wise. But, you know it, it, it's funny because really for it, it the last year has been very prolific for me i've been here and you know just produced a lot of work um so that that's the good part but you know i don't like the other parts not so great and a, a lot of my work has been about touching and embracing and if you notice the painting right uh, behind me it's it, both, all of the figures are embracing because that is something that I really felt um, a lack of that kind of, the touching other people. And, you know, and even now we're back to like, mm, hello, don't, stay away, stay, you know, which, which is difficult.
0: I think the, yeah, that intimacy will be welcomed by so many, like you say, it feels like the beginning of the end. So everything crossed for <laughs> 2022 right. across the globe, I think.
1: Um, right, right, so definitely across the globe.
0: And thank you so much again for joining us for this podcast. And and as you know, um, before we wrap up, um, we love to do shout outs at the end of each podcast. Um, And I wonder if there was anyone you wanted to shout out to here on this one or any exhibitions you're looking forward to, et cetera.
1: Um, Yeah, well, one, I have a friend in London, um, uh, KJ is her name, and she has a wonderful store called Revere the Residence is what it's called. And it's a wonderful store that she made for her her daughter who has special needs and her daughter's name is Piper, which is the name of my daughter. Um, so we, we sort of bonded. But I met her when she was here in in New Jersey many, many years ago. And so she's got this great store there. And, you know, that's so a shout out to her. And, oh, and one of my students is there. Um, Nell, good luck to you. Nell is also a wonderful painter.
0: What's Nell's last name?
1: Brookfield is her name.
0: It- do you know, the minute you said it, I was like, I bet it's Nell Brookfield. I love Nell.
1: <laughs> oh, my God! Oh, I love her, too! She's done she Beautiful work. I love her. She was my student at Pratt. And we've you know, kept in touch. She's absolutely astounding. Yeah, big she? shout out. Oh, wow! Yes! <laughs> It's
0: what going, a small world. What <laughs> a small! We've only met online, um, Nell and I, but it's one of my yeah. She's definitely one of the people I need to go and
1: actually meet. She's wonderful. Oh, you have to you have to you have to see her work in person. She's just really you yeah, know, yeah, I I love her. I really love her. I, I miss her very much. You know, after the pandemic, she went back, and mm-hmm. so she didn't come back to Pratt. But um, yeah, we've kept in touch. <laughs> so, oh, please, the next time. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna um email her and say that I talked to you and that we both were like no we
0: love you (laughs) she'll hear it she'll have to save this podcast oh
1: that's
0: right right of course well what a lovely um note to end on and just thank you so much for making the time for this podcast for speaking to me and also again for donating um hepatitis c trust it means a lot and does a lot of of
1: good oh of course I really thank you very much for including me in it I'm really very happy to be part of it
0: thank you so much philomena thank you
1: Thank you, bye.